You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, what's up, Surf Splendor Podcast listeners? Welcome back to the show. This is your host, David Scales, bringing you an episode of Surf News today. We're recapping the Bells Beach event, the uh, Big Wave Award nominees, and of course, all of the usual banter between Scott and I that you've come to, I don't know, enjoy. Maybe you don't. Not sure. But anyway, um, Welcome back to the show. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is the website where you can find all of the video and links to artic- videos and links to articles that we discuss in this show. There's a comment section. Feel free to leave a comment about today's show. Chime in on the conversation. And um, then follow us on social media at SurfSplendor if you'd care to do that. That's a great way to share the show with friends. All right. Uh, I believe that is all. I will sign us off in the end, but... For the next hour and 15 minutes or so. I hope that you enjoy the show. Yeah, guy, down the line, Surf Talk Radio, broadcasting live from Shack Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Are you filming me right now? <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> or is that camera pointed back at you? I just went straight to Snapchat. Oh, I'm on Snapchat now, and so wow, yeah, wow. Well, that's my first appearance, I think. Other than my little (laughs) brothers, I think trying to like catch me doing something. Um, Snapchat, David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you, broadcasting live, Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Um, Your microphone, yeah. So Snapchat. So you're on Snapchat now. Good to know. Just started Snapchatting. How's that going? So it's going good. I thought you had to be under 30 to Snapchat. Uh. Apparently that's incorrect. <laughs> Turn you your should mic check around. it out. Oh, the, really? How's, yeah. how's our levels, by the way? Because the sound quality of my last podcast was horrendous. I got a lot of... I know yours was probably brilliant. It sounded beautiful over there on hey, Surf Splendor. what do you know? You sent I it to me and it's... I try to mess with yours I'm claiming before cons- I send it to you. I've got a big conspiracy theory <laughs> built up in my head. Here's what happened. Or For some reason... Um, my computer has been creating some echo sound like midway through the show. There'll be like a glitch sound. It goes into echo and sometimes it clears up and I can fix it in post, but I didn't catch it before I had sent it to you. But I think but my you fixed your version of the show. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and then you said you would send me the new version. I did. You did. I never saw it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll double check. No, you can. Ap- this is where you it. apologize. <laughs> I have no apology. No apology. I'm, I'm doing a bunch of the work. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's um, Look at no, this. No, no. We got a little rift going already. We got a little. This is good for pod. So what I think the real problem was is um, I was just maxed out on storage space and the computer tends to create little malfunctions when it is that. So I deleted a bunch of stuff. I think we should be good to go. I think you were maxed out on compassion for my uh, show. You just wanted to. Zero compassion, buddy. <laughs> Dude, uh, I got tickets to. John Bonham's Led Zeppelin Experience. Okay. They're coming up in May. Okay. Now, I have seen them before. John Bonham's son, or excuse me, Jason Bonham. Let's get that straight. Jason Bonham, son of now deceased Led Zeppelin drummer John Bonham. 
So Jason Bonham, and as I mentioned, I saw them at the Belly Up Tavern last year. They were incredible. And I've seen, as you know, and many of the listeners know, I've seen every Led Zeppelin cover band but one. There's one, I mean, that's of note, you know, that's that's out there that's touring nationally or internationally. And there's one other one that's really pretty radical. But I've seen three or four of them, and they're all pretty good, but this one has it all. It has the incredible guitar players, the incredible vocalist sounding just like Robert Plant, Jason Bonham on drums, which is insane. Like he's he's just as good or better than his father, wow. who, who's you could argue is an, an underrated rock drummer. And um and then the keyboardist slash mandolin player slash acoustic guy, along with the guitar player who does a lot of that John Paul Jones stuff. So if you're a Led Zeppelin fan, I would urge you to check out Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience. Last time they played, they did all of Led Zeppelin 3 and Led Zeppelin 4. Bang, just super tight. Right. Yeah. And is this at the Belly Up as well? No, this is at Saquon Casino out in East San Diego yeah. coming up. Is the but belly, they travel all over. Is the Belly Up like the greatest venue ever? It's one of them. I mean, I mean it, it the Belly Up, incredible. look, it's just down the road from the, from my house. Yeah. So in that regard, it's neat. But yeah, for 40, 45, 50 years, the Belly Up Tavern's been hosting incredible acts. You know, yeah. And it's this little hole in the wall, or it was kind of a hole in the wall. It's actually World War II uh, bunkers. Not bunkers. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, like um, those... Those aluminum shells, what are they called? Those a Quonset hut? Yes, thank you. These World War II Quonset huts. And interestingly, the old Donald Takayama factory was there. It was called Surfing's New Image. Before that, John Price ran Surfboards Hawaii out of there. And this is in the late mid-60s, early 60s, mid-60s. So a lot of guys went through that building from a surfboard-making standpoint, guys like well, I mentioned Donald Takayama, John Price. A lot of guys I'm going to miss, but you know, guys like Ed Wright and Al Merrick and um, Ken Bradshaw, like a whole, like a a slew of guys. Like right. I'm not even touching the um, all. You know, either had boards made there or shaped there during some stint. You know, crazy. Yeah, well, but the Belly Up Tavern, it's an incredible place. And yeah. I mean, Rolling Stones played there. The Rolling Stones. Just six there? months ago or nine months ago. Or you know who else played there recently after the Stones was. Um, it, these are private parties, so you can't get yeah, into them. But, but um, uh, who's the. <laughs> I am so bad with my memory. Who's the guy from. Um, from. Uh, the Seattle, the really good Seattle grunge band. Um, Nirvana. Nirvana, Dave yeah. Grohl. Dave Grohl, yeah. yeah. What's his band called? Foo Fighters. Yeah, Foo Fighters. So Foo Fighters played there with um, one of those crooning guys, one of those crooning Sinatra types, Tony Bennett. What? The Foo Fighters, Tony Bennett, and um, and Lady Gaga. What? Yeah, they played a private well, party. Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett, I think, recorded some duets together or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And there was somebody else. There was some other heavy hitter, like a rap guy. Like, basically, the manager of all of those people lives in Rancho Santa Fe or right. something and has a connection to their... They're all on the same label. And so they had a private party Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Fascinating. I guess. I didn't yeah. see it, but... Yeah, but well, the belly up, it's I, it's insane. I mean, Warren Haynes just played there. He's the lead guitarist for the old Almond, you know, the yeah. Almond Brothers. He's the government mule guy. I mean, like if you just Google Belly Up Tavern, you'll see who's playing there right now. Right. It's probably some incredible list of. 
I've been listening to this, um, I don't know, like kind of hip hop type album. Uh, this guy's Ander, his name's Anderson Pack, P A A K, and I think the album's produced by Dr. Dre's label. But anyway, it's called Malibu. And in between songs, he'll sample, you know, people sample audio bits from other music or just pop culture or something. I'm listening to this album and it cuts to Jerry Lopez's voice talking about a wipeout. Like, oh man, and I was held down for so long. I had this out-of-body experience where I could see my body like rolling under the water. And I thought that maybe I had a separate tab open on my computer where something was playing because I couldn't imagine that Anderson Pack would be sampling Jerry Lopez's voice. And I didn't. It was actually off this Anderson Pack album. I don't think he even knows who Jerry Lopez is. I was Lopez just going to ask is. you that. I don't. I think he just he you, liked the out of body experience part of the story. He just, just YouTubed it. surfing clips or something, right. and then stole the audio off of YouTube. And then throughout the album, there's other little samples of people who I can't quite identify. Yeah. But there's basically surfing sampling woven into this album and the album's fantastic like i was listening to the album because i love it but then that happened what kind of music is is this it's he's hack guy what is he's a pianist but it's like hip-hop but not like i don't know how to really describe it it's It's super avant-garde or like maybe some r&b kind of mixed in like i'd like to check it out flow put that send that over and put it on your surfsplendorpodcast.com yeah i definitely will i'll close i want to check that i'll close out this show i could google it right now right i'll just pull it up while we're talking yeah uh, by the way, I did send you the no echo version of our past show. Oh, you got a record of it right, right here. Right, well, so, I never received it. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> I don't know. March twenty first, ten fifty seven a.m. By the way, I'm going to need some digital forensics done here. I'd- <laughs> by the way, how good have the waves been where you're at this through this weekend? Has Not it, like as good as up here. Oh, dude, it's been pumping. Yeah, I know. South Swell's been firing up in Orange County. It's it, been, it was good. No, it was really good. I mean, I got some. We got some good waves, but. I look at the lowers cam and I go, oh my God. It's on. Yeah. Lowers is on. Um, the wedge broke, like first swell of the season, really. And it was actually bigger than I expected. Um, but like up where I'm at, Huntington, Newport, it was just like head high, peaky, three or four days straight, super fun. For some reason, not that crowded. Well, well I was just going to comment on that because that's what my take on it is too, is that there wasn't any hype about first South Swell of the season. No. Now, why is that? Obviously, because we've had such an incredible run of El Nino surf. We are all surfed right. out. And the surf forecasters, there's no reason to hype a, a, what we would call a four to five foot South Swell when, and I know it was bigger than that at yeah. certain places, but, you know, there wasn't just a lot of hype because we're we've all been in such good surf lately that it's like yeah okay, and you would think first South Swell of the season would get a little bit of push, but totally um, not a lot there. Yeah, it wasn't an all time swell by any means, but in terms of what you and I want, just for you know getting surfing in Saturday, it was as good as it could right? like it was so fun, dude. I had a blast. So yeah, I'm psyched. Was, yeah, I'm psyched too. I'm psyched. So you want to hear some Anderson Pack right now? Yeah. <laughs> Jazzy. Yeah, look at David's David's rocking out. He's got a little mood. He's got a little swag on. What's not to love? Look at 
Uh, I'm a big fan. He, he reminds me a little bit of... Oh, yeah, there's guys surfing on the album cover or the CD looks cover. Looks like buttons, right? Yeah, it does. So... We're a big fan. Anderson, Anderson Pack. Pack. I'm 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 a new fan. I, it, when I first heard it, I it sort of reminded me a little bit of G Love. Yeah, a I little, get a little bit of that. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, I'm a, jazzy. I want to get. I'm I'm into it. I need some new music. I'm, I'm get me involved with that. Yeah, I will for sure. Um. Well, you'll notice uh, since we're heading into the springtime. The annual um, Big Wave Awards. That um, there's no mention of Double XL. I'm not sure if we talked about this last year, no. but um, usually it's the Double XL Big Wave Awards presented by Billabong, right? Sure. And I'm not sure if it was that way last year or not, but I know that this year it was brought to my attention by somebody that it's certainly there's no Double XL anymore. It's just called the WSL Big Wave, Big Awards. Wave Awards. Now I learned that. XXL, XXL is actually owned by Surfline, has been for a while, and was licensed to Billabong when they ran the Billabong XXL Awards. And, um, of course, Billabong had some financial hard times, and um, Surfline basically shopped the XXL brand over to the WSL. Hmm. The WSL and Surfline obviously couldn't make a deal and the WSL instead hired Bill Sharp, who's sort of the mastermind behind the whole Big Wave Awards thing. And sure. that starts with the K2 Big Wave Awards, which Bill Sharp produced way back, I want to say, in like 99 yeah. or something like that. And that was the very first year, the K2 Big Wave Awards. Taylor Knox won it on a wave at Toto Santos. Um, but Bill's sort of the man behind that whole concept. Um, again, WSL hired Bill Sharp. And now we have the WSL Big Wave Awards, and those are coming up, and uh, no XXL involved. And I, as you may know, am um, one of the guys that gets to vote on the WSL Big Wave Awards. And so I made my picks. You can go on to WSL Big Wave Awards on their website. WorldSurfLeague.com. Thank you. Yep. And you can see all the nominees. There's five nominees for the ride of the year. By the way, it's called the Billabong Ride of the Year. So Billabong is involved there, right? Yeah, two of which are Shane Dorian. Right. And one of which is my pick. Sure. The second ride of Shane Dorian's, the incredible tube ride that he gets. Oh, man. Yeah. Is my pick as the number one. Now, there's a couple of other really great ones, notably Albie Layer's tube ride as well. But a smaller wave, more as you mentioned, that sort of that, is it the West Peak at at Jaws at Piahi, where Albie sits on that inside corner and gets a deep, yeah. deep, deep one. So I took into account that Shane's was sort of farther outside and a little ballsier. Yep. And and my vote was for Shane, and I sent in my ballot. Albie's is deeper, probably. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's a little deeper. You're right. It's yeah. more, but it's it's kind of got a more of a backdoor tube, backdoor pipeline kind of vibe. Totally. Yeah, you got to give it to Shane just for being on the peak. Kind of. That's that was my thought. Jeez Louise. But Shane's is pretty insane too. Shane's is so gnarly. Shane's is the gnarliest ever, yeah. except that Albie got a one deeper one this season. But like that, otherwise Shane's is undeniable. Yeah. But I mean, let's mention Shane's first entry as well, which is a free fall drop. Which is that first wave before the event started that day where they had the big wave event at yeah. Piahi. Yeah. And it was sort of the wave. Mark Matthews wiped out and then Shane got this wave and it was sort of the wave where everyone went, okay, it's we Game knew it on. was on, but now it's on. You Game know? on. Yeah. This would be a good time to mention, I got an email from a listener uh, 
correcting pronunciation on that surf spot, oh. saying it's actually pronounced Peahi. 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 Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. I apologize. I yeah. I mean, who knew? We've heard. I can't even pronounce my own name. <laughs> let, let alone we've, yours. We've heard. You know, the professional broadcasters referring to it as Piahi. So I think we're just going off of what we've heard, but Peahi. And who knows? Maybe our listeners incorrect too. And now we're just well. Frankly, you know, for years we called it Jaws, right? And then yeah. there was this sort of. And I felt it too. There was almost this like Hawaiian shame that, hey man, there's a Hawaiian name for this thing and we're going to call it that from mm-hmm. now on. And even guys like Dave Kalama and Laird and those guys were like, and like Derek Dorner were like, okay, it's not called Jaws anymore, you guys. It's called Piahi or Peahi. Yeah. And so I'm down with that. Totally. You know? And so I've been trying to do the right thing. I'm, oh, for sure I've mispronounced it. Our objective is always to do the right thing. It's just we're right. ill-informed. Or um, we're just... We're just no good at pronunciation. Yeah, you know, and I actually commented back to this guy. I was like, totally, you're right, noted, we'll correct it. But I remember hearing Sonny Garcia at the Surfer Poll Awards this year referring to it as P-High, which I'm just like, there's no way it's P-High. Like, I I mean, Sonny is the most authentic Hawaiian. Maybe he knows way more than everybody else. However... There's no way it's called pi. Well, the, look, the Hawaiian language is an interesting one. All the vowels are pronounced. If you say the words right, every single vowel, there's okay. no silent vowel. So it's pe-e-a-hi, you know, like every single one. Like if you look at, um, for instance, Barry Kaniapuni's name, a lot of vowels in that name. A lot, a lot of vowels you probably wouldn't even know were in that name. Mm-hmm. So that's one where you obviously you sound out. And there's only 13 letters in the right. Hawaiian alphabet. Yep. All right, back to. Okay, so. Shane Dorian's second ride was my vote. This all takes place, by the way, the Big Wave Awards. I think it's April 26th Okay, um, here in Orange County, I believe. Maybe it's up in Santa Monica this year. I don't know. Usually they have it at the Grove here yep. in Anaheim. So you're going to like this. So the next thing I get to vote on is the Pure Scott Barrel Award nominee photos. You're allowed to select one image, right? What I don't know it? who Pure Scott is. It must be one of the uh, – it's a sponsor. Pure oh, okay. Scott. Okay. Google it. I don't know. It's Pure Scott with one T. Okay. Barrel Award nominee. There's a bunch of photos of people in the barrel, and you got to choose only one. You don't even rank them. You just pick one. I picked Kaala Kennelly's wave at Chopu. Yeah, see, I knew. I get eyebrows raised from you. Major like, eyebrow raise, like, dude. Not because I'm anti Kiala. I'm shocked that you would pick a female. But you shouldn't lead. be. I sh- you shouldn't be. Can we roll the tape? Let's listen to past no, shows, no. dude. No. What, what do you mean? What did I say in past shows that made me anti-female? Exactly. Oh, God. Uh, uh, just go ahead with your thought. No. I'm not here to... <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is Kaala's wave is obviously okay. the most photogenic. Like, if, if you even look at the, the description on how you're supposed to vote, it says which one image you feel depicts, best depicts the emotional feeling of a big wave tube experience. Okay. You could put anybody in that situation. I mean, the wave itself is what makes you go, holy crap. It's not that it's a female or a male or the yeah. gender even matters. Right. See, that's not... I agree. Like, my overall thing is like gender shouldn't matter. If the surfing's not good surfing, why does it matter if it's a male or a female? It's just not good surfing. Why are we saying, hey, yeah, but they're girls. We got to... You know what? Like, yeah, you shouldn't differentiate. It yeah. So that's why when you look at me and you go, oh, I've heard you talk down about girls surfing. I'm just talk, talking down about, hey, that's not the best surfing on the planet. Why are we lifting it up? Yeah. Right. Well said, man. I agree with you completely. You. Pure Tim McKenna is- took the photo, by the way. Tim okay. McKenna took the photo of Kayala, who is, by the way, she's incredible and she should probably win uh, one of the female performance awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pure Scott is a blended scotch whiskey. Wow. They're going into, they're doing anything they can. I like it. 
So the next one is the Wipeout of the Year Award. This one's probably the funnest one to vote on. And um, if you look at them, there's a great clip that shows all five of them in a row on the site. I chose Niccolo Porcella at Chopu, where he just gets the most – like you couldn't couldn't choreograph Mm -hmm. a greater Wipeout than this. And the other Wipeouts, by the way, are really, really good. This was actually kind of hard until you see – this Porcella guy's wave. Yeah. And he literally is launched headfirst with the lip at like 30 miles an hour. I don't know how he lived. Did he live? He lived. He won the award at the Surfer Pole Awards as well for the it, same category. It's incredible. And he got on stage and talked. He was really funny, I remember. I liked him. Um, but yeah, it is, it's silly. It's cartoonish, actually. Yeah, it's cartoonish. I'm, I'm looking at um, the barrel photos as well. And I agree with you. Kiala's is hands down the gnarliest. Um, let me ask you real quickly, not to take away from the wipeout. Segment. Well, that's kind of it as far as that's what I got. I only get to vote on those three things, okay. and I just wanted to let you know they've what really my synthesized is. it. Well, you're allowed to. The other ones, like the the largest wave, they have a select committee of guys that does that. You know, they're and like that, actually measuring it somehow. Yeah, they're actually in there. It's like Bill Sharp and some surf photographers, probably Rob Brown, probably Parsons is involved. You know, some of those guys. And they all kind of hooey up on exactly measuring it. Probably Evan Slater in the past has been involved in it. Mm-hmm. I know Flippy Hoffman used to be involved in it. So they get a guy, a group of guys that does that. And then the other ones are the performance awards. And j- just as with the largest wave, they also have a committee who kind of filter through all of it and give their best opinion on who should win the overall performance awards. I see. So the biggest wave award nominees, um, two of them were from Payahi. On February 25th, so the same exact day. And then three of them are from Nazare uh, on three different days, three different swells. So, well, the one, those right, are the, the only two. The one spots. paddle that Aaron Gold got is yeah. it's funny because now you start, this is when you get into this sort of, this sort of um, hemispheric, or maybe not hemispheric's right word, but you get into this regional political rift. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where you get Europe going, hey, how do you pronounce it? Nazare? Nazare? Naz- I mean, probably not, but that's Na- what I'm going Nazare. with. Nazare. So, you know, you get, and I'm not saying that this is correct, but you get voices that are saying, hey, that's not really a top to bottom wave. Right. Or, exactly. And then you get, you know, so, and then you look at Jaws well, and you're like, that wave is insane. It's the gnarliest wave in the world. Well, yeah. Nazare, it's bigger, but it's flatter. It's fatter. Yeah. And so the wave rolls for a while. So at its peak, most top crest, um, from point A, top crest to the bottom of the wave, is it large? And if it is, but is that where the surfer's on the wave? Exactly. And the surfer needs to, where the surfer's on the wave, it's this flat, shouldery thing. And yeah, behind him, it's 120 feet. Yeah. So anyway, those are the political discussions and, um, some of the tight wire. Yep. That you have to walk, the gray area that these guys walk. And I don't think there's a whole lot of Europeans have that have a say in the committee. Right. And so I think that there's I know in the past there's been a sense that Europe sort of gets marginalized. Sure. I could see that. Um question about the Pure Scott Barrel Award nominees. Yes. It's done by photo, as right. you said. Why? Like if we're gonna if we're gonna judge a barrel ride, don't we want to see a guy making a takeoff how deep he's getting and if he's making it or not, or well, or a woman in I, this case. With I'm Tiala. not. Sh- I think one of the reasons why is um, is that 
they're cons- I think that they're concerned that this is going to get mixed up with ride of the year. And so, because if you get a huge biggest wave barrel, like how can that not be the ride of the year? Now, I'm assuming a lot here, but what I, they ha- what I do know is that they've distilled it down to this one description. And that description is which barrel makes you feel best depicts the emotional feeling of a big wave tube experience. Select the one image you feel best depicts the emotional feeling of a big wave tube experience. So I think part of it is like, look, we only, we're only going to pay the photographer. We don't want to, first of all, it's a lot to filter through 15 different video versions of the same ride. Let's just do still images. Then we'll just be able to, we'll be able to lift up the photographers. I think in some sort of way, the photographers are like, hey man, throw us a bone. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing's turned into a video thing. And, and it started out as a photograph, a photographic deal. Yeah. You know, K2 is all photos. Everything you said makes sense, but I don't think that um, they need to really do that. I mean, like, you can have a barrel ca- or a uh, photograph category still. And that's what this is. And honor this. Well, then you could also have a barrel category where the exact description that you read still use that same exact description, but it applies to video instead of photo. Yeah. You know, like, which of these images best depicts the feeling of a big wave barrel? That applies to video as well. So I, I also think that it's really hard if you look and you're looking at them right now, right? Yeah. It's really hard not to be drawn emotionally to the Chopu images. And when you see the other images, they just simply don't compare. That place is so photogenic. As far as large, massive, open, gaping, beautiful blue paradise, it's just doesn't compare. Now, there's no. some really incredible photos of other yeah. spots, but... When push comes to shove, it's just not even close, in my opinion. The Mark Matthews image at the right in Australia is um, really interesting just because the wave is so gnarly. It's it's not nearly as perfect as Jaws and Chopu, but it uh, it has like a sunset in the background. There's a tremendous variety in color in the image. Whereas Chopu, it's just more kind of that. That's blue. interesting. So, because because there is some artistic aesthetic kind of concepts that you're bringing up. Yeah. That I brought up too. Like There's that's why I'm drawn to emotionally. I'm drawn to that blue coloring. You know. Yeah, but in the Mark Matthews shot, there's a lot of foreground and background that's all tremendous contrast. You know, like there's just a so lot. So composition wise, the photo maybe has a lot more. Yeah. But the wave doesn't represent the feel that the criteria is. Well, asking. another interesting thing is is. They want me to choose something that I think best depicts the emotional feeling of a big right. wave tube experience, which assumes that I have that. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if by big, you mean head high at Swami's? <laughs> you mean suck outs at Cardiff? Like, you know, like, I think, you know, but whatever. Yeah. I've been in some big tubes, but I am not a big wave surfer. It's very different than Chopu. Yeah, tubes, exactly. You know? Or even a small wave at Chopes. Um, okay, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Big wave awards. Speaking of Tahiti... I heard another rumor. I've got some really good parking lot fodder for Can this Can I show. just say, when Scott comes prepared, Scott comes prepared. This is the most prepared you've been for a show. I've only done years. one segment. But look at you, dude. He's got notes printed out. By the way, they're color coordinated. Did you just get <laughs> color ink for your printer this week or something? Dude, once a year, I splurge and I get color, color ink I, for my printer. I'm acknowledging. I'm very impressed. And I appreciate your efforts. All right. Well, um, Another interesting rumor I heard that there's a group in Tahiti. Don't don't read my notes. Not, I can I'm see not. you peeking no. over at them. I'm not. Stop. Okay, just checking the levels the on the audio. Way. Make sure there's no echo. Oh god, no echo, please. 
Local names from Tahiti that we all know that we're all familiar with. I'm not going to name the names, but just use your imagination. Yeah, I know right? five people from Tahiti, so. Okay, <laughs> but I mean that are in the surf yeah, exactly. you know, world. Those are the five. Okay, so the local names, all five of them that you know that you're familiar with, are organizing a surf contest at Chopu. Um, it's slated for June. It's going to be a two-week holding period. These movers and shakers in, t- in the Tahiti surf world have government backing from Tahiti. So this event is going to happen. And they are now looking for sponsors. So in a way, they're going, you know what? We're going to do, you know, we're seeing too much of a good thing go in hands that we don't want it to go in. Perhaps. I'm just assuming that that's what they're thinking. Okay. Now, there are many specialists out there that are not under the WSL umbrella that could surf in an event at Chopu and it would make a big splash. Right. Let's ver- let's conf- or clarify. Point, point that out, clarify it to our listeners that WSL surfers can't compete in non-WSL sanctioned events. Right, right okay. exactly. Unless they get some sort of waiver or approval. Right. Um, but all it takes, right, is a solid 8 to 10 foot clean swell for this event to make headlines around the surf world, sure. at least in our sphere, right? Yeah. And much like, you know, Keala at Chopu, the wave is the is sort of the protagonist here, is the main totally. focal point. And so if it's 8 to 10 feet, guys are charging. We don't care who they are. It's going to be insane, right? Mm-hmm. And interestingly, that's how Chopu became a WCT event. For years, it was, well, for a couple of years, it was a QS event. And then there was one year, I want to say it was 96 or 97, maybe 98, somewhere in the late 90s, there was a, a QS event at Chopu, and it was 8 to 12 feet, and it was gnarly. And it, and it like an 8 to 12-foot swell at Chopu, it brought the attention of everybody. Uh, it got the attention of everybody, right? And mm-hmm. so it was just too gnarly of a situation to just be a qualifying event. This, the ASP went, you know what? This is now a world tour, dream tour event. And um, it made headlines. And so there are lots of North Shore Chargers, for instance, that could that could be in this event in June, right? Like... Koa Rothman types I have here. Kayala Kennelly, quite frankly. Totally. A lot of Australian chargers. Probably more Australian chargers and, and Hawaiian chargers than anywhere else, right? Maybe some Brazilians too. Ricardo dos Santos comes to mind. He's no longer with us, of course, but there's guys like that. Bruno. Right? Bruno, Bruno Santos. Santos. Yeah. So Anthony Walsh, Kobe Aberton, um, uh, Hippo. I know some of these guys are hurt, but um, there's a lot of guys that would – that could step up and make this an insane event. Oh, yeah. Jamie. Um, it certainly wouldn't lack Jamie O'Brien, great yeah. example. It wouldn't let be for a lack of talent. Now, all of the Tahitians would obviously surf in it. Even the name guys who surf as wild cards mm-hmm. in the WSL trials and main event now would surf in it. Oh, yeah. And the WSL, it would be a sticky situation for them. They just can't fly into Tahiti and go, oh, by the way, these guys aren't allowed to surf in the WSL's no, event. Definitely. That's just not the way it works in Tahiti. Like, yeah. you'd be blowing it. And I'm sure that the WSL would grant waivers to those guys. Um, the important thing here is that they've got government backing, which means they're going to run this event this year with or without a sponsor. And it's just a matter of somebody stepping up and going, wait a minute. You mean I can own an event or license an event like we used to do and and kind of grab a hold of all the imagery and be the guy? And uh, you don't have to be under the WSL's um, umbrella here. Yeah. So it certainly is an enticing opportunity for any number of companies to come in and go, bingo, boom, done, you know? Yeah. Even, dare I say it, Red Bull, who well, we know doesn't necessarily get along with the people at the WSL. Okay, this is an opinion section uh, question. The for whole you. show is an opinion section. <laughs> True. These are all would my there, opinions. Would there be any political um, 
concern for a company that already sponsors WSL events to additionally sponsor this event? I don't think so. My, unless there's some sort of exclusivity clause in the deals they make with the WSL where once you sign on with us, you can't do any other pro surfing yeah. events, which I very, I doubt that greatly. No one's going to sign that. I don't think there would be, but there might just be kind of a, a handshake deal where it's just like, dude, come on. Yeah. It would be a, it would definitely be ruining a relationship you're, for yeah, sure. You're diminishing the value of our, one of our key events throughout yeah, the year. Yeah. In many ways, but, you'd be shooting your own self in the foot. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, I'll be honest as a, fan and just a viewer i'm equally as excited to watch that event as i am the wsl's version well it's all about the waves right i mean for us assuming they run assuming both events run in great waves yeah i'm equally excited just because the list of guys that you named who would be surfing in the event are every bit as exciting to me as watching gabriel medina and john john florence battle it out yeah you know you're right now the other question is if it's three to four feet with with five waves of five feet and you know you've got the top surfers in the world on one side of the equation and for lack of a better phrase b-level pros on the other side of the equation and that's not really fair to those guys because there's guys in tahiti they're, they're, that are just insane they're not b-level pros they're i mean not. maybe in terms of they're just uh, not wsl top 34 surfers exactly I guess. and maybe in terms of even like awareness about them but in terms of ability level that's right A-list. there. yeah at least at Chopu, not a list at a Brazilian beach break or whatever. Of course, sure. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that rumor pans out. Very also, from another really well placed source, I heard another rumor okay. that um, the power brokers at the WSL, what's the name, Ziff or something? Ziff and his brother and his wife. Anyway, I've now heard that the. That fund that's funding the WSL is now $100 million deep into the WSL. Wow. Now, again, not a fact, pure speculation from parking lot fodder, but from a pretty well-placed source who's a finance guy. Wow. Um, look, you and I, again, it's pure speculation. We hope the WSL does not go away. I, I think the WSL has made great strides. Every time they run an event, it's better and better and better. And each year is better than the previous. Agreed. It, 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 does, it hasn't taken any steps backward. It's yeah. taken many steps forward. And they seem to be taking a lot of cues from feedback that the internet gives them. I would agree with that. I yeah. think pro surfing is in a really good place. Totally. But fiscally, you know. Well, who and a hundred million investment. Yeah, I we mean, don't know what that means from a net revenue standpoint. Yeah, we don't know what that says about fiscal health. What exactly does a hundred million deep mean? Or maybe know? they that could just be capital expenditures that you have to make. I mean, obviously not a hundred million in capital expenditures, but but maybe they planned amortized on, over ten years, whatever you know. And maybe they planned on investing two hundred mil, and yeah. this is on track with what their investment was. And you know a I mean? lot, like, big chunk of it could be that side production unit of the yeah. WSL. So anyway. Um, they are trying to make the product as exciting as possible, and I think they're doing that. They're moving forward. Um. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. I will say this. You know that I'm the old guy in this equation. You're the young guy. I'm the old guy. I've been a fan of pro surfing since the glorious image of Reno Avalara dropping in on that monstrous 30-foot wave at Waimea Bay during the 1975 Smirnoff. That was pasted on my wall in my bedroom next to Farrah Fawcett smiling at me with like the nippage coming out of the nylon bathing suit. Mm-hmm. Do you know the image? Ten was the movie? No. no? Who was that? Bo Derek. Oh, Bo Derek. Shoot. No, Farrah who's, Fawcett Major? Also, who's Reno Aboleira? Oh, okay. No, I'm just <laughs> but so, I do know the Farrah image, too. You, but we'd both be foolish as commentators to not ask ourselves if, and I hope that this is not true, but if the landscape of pro surfing dramatically changes, what does it look like? What does pro surfing look like in five years? What does pro surfing look like in ten years? Mm-hmm. And I think those are interesting questions. Oh, yeah. They totally are. We've we've had to con- we'd ha- we've had to address that exact question multiple times throughout pro surfing because it happens. Which is why I, I point back to the seventy five Smirnoff. Like, totally. look, we've seen the landscape of forty years of surfing here. You know, totally. Um, so on that note, I have also heard from a very well placed source that the enthusiast network, mm-hmm. the people who own Surfer Magazine and Surfing Magazine and Grind TV and a bunch of other magazines and publications and websites. Uh, a well-established group of of uh, people and brands that they're just waiting in the wings, as well as Red Bull. If this thing, God forbid, eventually kind of washes out, um, the Enthusiast Network, who, by the way, recently took over the Dew Tour. You and I talked about that for NBC. They're now doing the Dew Tour. And they already do a lot of events, like the Surf Shop Challenge. Like They're prepared to do events. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're prepared on a world stage, but I think what would happen is they would simply go back to that old ASP model and license out to the brands, which they all have relationships with, and just blow it out of the water that way. So rather than the WSL, who's been trying to kind of find their footing as a media company, becoming a media company, you're saying an already existing media company would just swoop in. And kind of like pick, and play. pick the low lying fruit, kind yeah. of almost, you know, yeah, because yeah. there has to be a tour. The industry demands it, right. we think. Yeah. Now, you know, it's certainly it's it's it has yet to be seen, David, whether or not this WSL model, which is this really top heavy, high production value um, business model, if it works. Um, 
we would it would I would suggest to you that global sponsorship is extremely difficult. Even though you say, look, global sponsor Samsung, even Samsung is regionally built. Like every region has its own taste and its own way that it, that it will digest marketing, mm-hmm. and so. The idea that we're going to go out and sell the WSL is this global thing and Samsung is going to put an umbrella on it and it's going to speak to Brazilians and Australians and Hawaiians and North Americans and Europeans. And yeah, that, I think that, that it's even I think that they're coming to realize that it's actually regional, even though you can sell it globally, you're going to have to change the marketing regionally at the very least. Yeah. Now, it could be that this is where Kelly Slater's wave pool saves the day, right? Because top heavy high production value can work if we can get gate revenue and if we can get um, a scheduled time for the TV show to happen. Yep. And I think that's the, you know, the, I think the key is, the, the, will the WSL invest in f- in two or three of those venues? Mm-hmm. One in Australia, one in North America, one in Europe, and maybe two others. Yeah. Where there's a high population base. Yeah. Turn those things on, and will you and I watch them? Such, yeah. Such a slippery slope. It's getting so far from Mother Nature and the spectacle that we love about surfing. Well, the spontaneity, the rawness, the all of that. Well, know? first of all, I do know that, that Kelly's wave pool can be changed so that the bottom contours tweak and the wave isn't as predictable. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't change it every ride. I, I don't think they... Maybe that would be cool if you could dial it up every ride so you change it a little bit every ride as yeah. opposed to we got to shut it down, we got to drain it, we got to change the bottom and sure. now for today's event it's going to be set up for aerials or whatever, right. you know. So I don't know the dynamics of that. Maybe we'll learn more about that. Yeah. That would certainly be interesting but nonetheless, you're right. The hardcore coastal dwelling surf enthusiasts such as yourself and all the guys that watch pro surfing now would probably be like, eh, I'm going to, I don't know how much we would convert, but yeah. they're going to get 12 to 15 year olds that that's all exactly. they know. And by the way, that's the demographic they want anyway, much like the do tour, all the people that they're going to sell marketing and advertising to that are going to market to those 12 to 15 year olds are going to be like, Hey, this pro surfing thing is the coolest ever. Now they have it at Kelly Slater's wave pool. Look how perfect the waves are. This is really cool. And, oh, by the way, David, if it was me, Scott Bass, and I was 12 to 18 years old, I'd probably be super stoked on it. Totally. Therein lies the exact crux of surfing and marketing surfing that we've dealt with all along. And surf brands, like clothing brands, deal with this more than anybody, which is just how do you continue to cater to the core community and remain core, yet market and profit off of the broad market? Well, I think more than ever, you'll have two divergent marketing plans. You'll have Rasta over here and you'll have your pro kid over here and you'll just, and you'll have two guys and they will drive your brand. Yeah. But the more that you have that pro guy, the more, uh, kind of offended you and I, the core surfers are, but I'm not Uh, saying I don't think we're offended. I I think the, but that's what's 30 year old past. How offended are you? Really? You don't give a shit. You and I don't care that much. Like, like you don't make your buying, your buying habits aren't based on whether you're, are you buying Quicksilver clothing? Are you buying Billabong clothing? No, no. But I mean, I, I, I'm not, but it's not, it's, it's more because of the cost. Like I will, like if I like something, I'll buy it. Like I'm not going and going, I'm not going to buy it because they have, ruined the surf culture the of way I, you know i'm not like I'm not, i no, don't but, care that but, much like i'll buy izod i'll buy taylormade i'll buy united colors of benetton i'll buy quicksilver what okay. like whatever fits and looks good which but is I, why i'm looking so good right now <laughs> you do look like a golfer right now um 
These are the coolest pants ever. I saw when you walked up. By I was the way, like, Scott is stylish. I got man. these new Patagonia pants. I'm a big fan of Patagonia. By the way, is, the, is are they Talk, the biggest surf company in the world right now? And they were started by non-surfers. That started by non-surfers. That says a lot. Although I know you started Yvonne, by non-surfers. Yvonne Chouinard surfs, yeah. but I mean it's a climbing company. It started as a yes, climbing company, it is, an alpine yeah, yeah. company. But I would argue that Patagonia is the greatest surf brand in the world right now. Well, you said the biggest, but it's not the biggest. Well, you dude, you'd be surprised how big it is. Patagonia no, is pretty big. I, I agree. It's big. And sure. I don't think we know because it's private, but yeah. it's bigger than you realize. Yeah. I was blown away when, I don't know if you and I talked about this. You're but, talking about not spending money on Billabong. Patagonia is like three times the price of Billabong clothing. Well, I'm on a like. Yeah. <laughs> I got so, a little. <laughs> back to my original point. They've alienated. Price. No, but they've alienated the core. Like Billabong, yeah, you don't care about Billabong anymore because it's available in Nordstrom and Macy's and everywhere across the country. They're not catering not- to you. The reason why you're buying Patagonia is because they're a core company and you value that. That's true. That's what I it think is. you're right. I, I would agree with that, but I also get a good deal. Let's just cut to the chase. I okay. do get a good deal. Okay. But the um, best Patagonia deal is still more than Billabong, dude. Your your good Patagonia deal must not be as good as my Patagonia. Deal. I, I need a Patagonia deal. No. I don't have a Patagonia deal. Uh, Look it up. Uh, no, no, can do. That's part of the deal. You can't. I'm not even supposed to talk about it. I don't think. But anyway, um, I will say this. This is how I know I'm old. Is that I got these great Patagonia pants, and I'm so in love with them that I bought like ten pants. I told my wife, I go, this is my this is my costume for the rest of my life. You know, how old men get like those blue jumpers and they zip them up and they work in their wood shop and they retire and that's all they wear. Exactly. I've got my old man uniform. I'm, I'm excited about it. must feel good. Yeah. I'm, Be lo- I'm wardrobes lined up this for the rest the, of your life? This is the old man uniform. Are they all that mustard yellow color though? Did you get different colors? Do you mean um, baby diaper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got different colors. Okay, good. Because I, I think that color is super hip, but you can't rock it every day. These are my Lululemons. Right. Right. <laughs> what were we talking about? We lost track. Uh, the WSLs. Uh, oh, the core enthusiasts. Will, the, will, will Kelly Slater's... Wave pool saved the WSL at the last minute. Will the WSL actually? We're making a lot be, of assumptions here. I know, that there's even a last minute. Well, I mean, in minute, five, I mean, know? in five years. Yeah, no, but I know, but still, I don't think there will. I, I think that they're getting it to. I hope. I don't. It's just no one knows fiscally, and of course, they're not going to tell you. You don't want. They shouldn't tell you. No, you know, of it's course. none of the, our business, really. Yeah. But it allows us to speculate, I guess. Sure. But you could certainly see the Enthusiast Network or Red Bull um, coming along, or another mm-hmm. production. No, I hear you. And that's so I made an assumption as well and just kind of said like, oh, the WSL is there defining themselves as a media company. Like it seems to me that's what they're not a, a surf contest company They're That's not their objective. Their objective is to become a media company. And one of the vehicles that they're going to do that with is putting on these contests that get a lot of eyeballs. I agree. And, I, and you could also argue that each and every year that they exist, they, their value grows and just the equity that they have as a Agreed. brand, you know, totally. like, and they've got more content and, and they're, and you're right. They are slowly turning into this production company, which is what speaker knows really well anyway. Right? Yeah, totally. And it's and, what Red Bull's done successfully. Yeah. Like they're a beverage, they're a media company masquerading as a beverage company. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, well, well this, look, we just hope the best, right. For, well, I just pro keep surfing in the it. WSL. I know. It's, I'm, I'm amped on my team coming into Margaret River. So, by the <laughs> way, we've gone 43 minutes and 40 seconds without mentioning the Bells event that just finished. I still got more stuff, but go ahead. Bells was incredible. No, you we don't take, have to. Take We're her just, away. Okay. Bells. Jeez. Uh, huge event. Spectacular uh, range in waves. I mean, diversity in waves and um, conditions that they got to surf. 
The final was Matt Wilkinson versus Jordy Smith. Matt Wilkinson won the second, first and second event of the season, which if you gave me the top 34 at before Gold Coast and I had to pick a ranking of who might win the there's two guys that're going to win the first of first and second event or there's one guy who's going to win the first two events. Pick who that guy is. No, no, no better. Wilco me, would have been 30th on my list. This. Here's what I want you to do. I want before the thing starts. Yes. In February, I'm going to go, okay, I want you to tell me who's going to win the first two events and who's going to be hungover after the first two events. Exactly. And you would have picked Wilco to be hungover and you would have picked Felipe to win the first two events, right? He, Felipe's totally. off tour. Wilco's won the last two events. Felipe's on how tour many, but injured. Tell me, did you have Wilco on your fantasy team Heck for no. Snapper? Heck no. Did you for Bells? Heck no. I know. I His didn't Snapper either. performance, I'm like, that was amazing, but we only get one good performance out of Wilco every year and there it was. So, so do there's you have, no way. Do you have the cojones to put him on your team for Margaret. Uh, you know, I mean, that's this point, my you, dilemma. Well, me too. I mean, you, I've got to... three How many times have you taken him off your team and put him back on your team? He can't three-peat. He can't three-peat. It's, it's no over. Chance. The run Especially is over. Especially if they go at the box. Exactly. Or North Point, which is... Well, North Point, I'm sure he can serve pretty well at, but... I don't the know. The box is... Who knows with this guy? He's such a wild card. Okay, Unbel- but I'm here's, blown away he did this well at Bells. I immediately took him... I was never going to put him on my team at Bells. I... I no heck no. So I was talking with a friend pre uh, before the event started, and, and we said, "Who's your dark horse picks?" And I go, "My dark horse pick, pick is Jordy." So that's a good. I one. felt great about him actually making the final. But to be honest, by the time the final rolled around, I was rooting for Wilco, even though my heart was with Jordy and he was on my team. Wilco, I just love, and I don't want to love him, but I love him. And part of it is spontaneity in that. At some point on every wave that he stands up on, I think that he's going to fall, and he doesn't. Whereas Gabriel Medina never looks like he's going to fall. And so there's an element of that spontaneity in Wilco that just makes you hope for him, you know? And his personality, of course, does that when he's in the post-heat interview. But just his surfing alone, there's an element of There's nothing to not love, and, isn't it? There's nothing to not really like about this When guy. he's in the final... He looks like he's free surfing. It really does. In the final, when he's smashing waves, I'm just like, yes, keep going. Give me one more. Like, go for it. And that's what you want out of surfing. Like, it's that visceral experience that we all want, I find myself having with Wilco. There's certain guys in the event at Bells that you see take off and you know that in the back of their mind, they're like, okay, I've got to get three big turns on the outside bowl. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, then I'm going to kick out, you know? And you just don't get the sense that Wilco's got that in his brain when he's taking off in a wave. He's like, okay, I'm going to surf really hard. And he even said it. He's like, I'm bottom turning as hard as I can. And then I look up at the lip and go, okay, what do I do now? Like, where do I hit this thing? Where do I angle it? Whereas other guys, like you said, they're looking Calculated. down the line. Uh, Mick Fanning gets to his feet, looks all the way down the line, and is like, here's where I'm going to do the first turn, the second turn, the third turn, and finish the ride. Right. You know? And it's a little formulaic. Wilco's making a decision as he's coming out of the bottom turn. Yeah. Which is it's, radical. No, it's, every, it's so no, rad. It's hard to not love this guy. Yeah. It's hard to not put him on your team. You're just, I want him. I've, I'm, I'm with you. I was rooting for him. I yeah. was totally rooting for him. Yeah. Despite I had Kyle on my team. Didn't he surf against each other? In the, was it Kyle and No, Wilkins? Kyle and lost Jordy. to Jordy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Wilco's incredible. It's fun. To, but I can't put him on my team. I, I just, know. The, the party's got to be like over. Just like you can't take Kelly off I've taken Kelly team. off. I've taken Kelly off. I've learned my lesson. 
You know what's funny? They're talking. They're selling WSL selling um, jerseys now to fans. Yes, yeah, for the that. fan experience. Who, who hasn't seen they that? They go, but they keep saying like, "What's the number one selling journey jersey?" Well, Fanning's a huge seller, and then the other fan favorites are John John and blah blah blah. They never mention Kelly Slater. Yeah, I would think Kelly Slater would be the number one oh, selling you know jersey. He is. He is. But they be. haven't mentioned his name once. He's it's almost be. like the WSL shifted their folk, like in the commercials that they're doing for those jerseys. I am fanning. No, bro. I'm fanning. I'm fanning. Well, they I don't mention smart. Kelly I get it. at all. No, and I agree with I you, too. I get it. I mean, I'm not let's a... acknowledge this shift that's this zeitgeist yeah, right. shift is taking shift, place yeah. where Kelly is no longer the silver surfer. You it know? is definitely like, a part of their plan to move away, and they need to. Yeah, you know? I agree. And it's sad because you and I are huge, you know, and, and you, that's why more than anything you want Slater to kind of reaffirm himself as, hey, not yet. Which know? he's done before a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you know at some point this year it's going to happen. No. Will it be all the way at the I end disagree. at Pipe? You don't think at Chopu or Tavarua Slater's going to have a moment? No, he has. I mean, he'll have a moment. Yes. No, no. I mean, win an event. No. I mean, no. Wow. Who can so beat him? Then we I have mean, a bet can... right now. You and I have a bet. That's uh, let's bet again. I love it. Yeah, let's bet <laughs> I have again. A great track record against <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, you do. How's your fantasy thanks, team thanks, doing, dude? Kelly. I your blame fantasy, Obama. You're literally. I blame Obama. <laughs> So you're literally in last place in the fantasy. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple people who actually didn't play that snapper. Are me. No, no. <laughs> a couple of people who didn't play snapper, so they're worse than you. But you're in last. You're tied for equal last place. That's oh pretty God. amazing. Uh, Courtney Conlog also won at Bells, which is huge um, for her. I'll be honest. Courtney, a Courtney. lot of well, a lot of people talk about. Like bells is just boring to watch. The wave is slow. There's only one or two sections that are actually steep and like a lot of downtime before the end section. And I felt that way in the early rounds. But to be honest, by the end of the contest, I kind of fell in love with it as a contest venue because it really challenges the surfers in ways that we don't really see anywhere else on tour. And there, like I said earlier, there's a lot of variety throughout the waiting period. We see him surf small winky. We see him surfing the last day, which is triple overhead, like wind chops coming through the face. And while it's not the most exciting surfing I'm going to see throughout the course of the year or even the course of the week because I'm going to watch web edits, it it's more representative of my surfing experience. And so then when I paddle out at 20th Street in Huntington this weekend – there's a lot of slow sections in the wave, and I'm thinking about how those guys approached bells, and that actually translates to my experience. And and a lot more, I don't know, competitive tactic comes into play there as well than it does maybe at Chopu when it's eight feet and perfect, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's sort of a blue-collar venue it in is. some ways, and it sort of represents the, the true Australian surfer in many ways. It's, it's sort of a caricature of that blue-collar guy that's a Mason guy or, you know, just, you know, he, he's... You know, got the dirty boots on. He's going to work every day, and he's eating a meat pie. And there's bells. That's know? all of us, dude. Yeah, and so in that regard, I agree. It's sort of both. I I agree with both. It's kind of a crappy venue for a contest, but it's also all those things that you said, yeah. and you can sort of fall in love with it for its character. When you're looking at it under the the kind of lens of I want to see the best high performance surfing in the world, then of course you don't like it. But, yeah. but I, like I said, going through the experience, it shifted what I found it to have value, you know, for other reasons. I tell you, it, it, it helps to bring out a lot of the flaws. You saw some really bad surfing, mm. you know, guys that you're like, oh, God, really? That's hideous looking yeah. or whatever. And I also thought in some of the bigger, lumpier, chunkier days, 
and maybe I'm just being myopic or something, but I just felt like, you know what? These guys should be riding six sixes and really getting through the wave. And yeah, you know what? You're not going to get three turns yeah. in the middle ball on a six six, but you're going to be surfing the wave. In my opinion, it's just me. Yeah, um, I think in the in a way that that way that those conditions um, are dictating that you surf the wave. Like, and, and again, it's just well, me. These guys are on their six two little chippy things, and they're barely getting through little moments and all to do what a little fin check turn at the top of the wave when they could be powering through big foam chunks you know yeah. on a six six but well interestingly anyway. they were talking about mick fanning normally rides a five eleven, and on that final day when it was triple overhead he was on a step up which is a six one you know yeah. it's like whatever yeah that's not even as is that a step up i don't know like <laughs> but i mean it probably is you know it's but not it's not a six six like you're talking about which jordy's probably riding i think jordy had a six four and a six six um and jordy's surfing looks beautiful out there the some of the most beautiful surfing i saw was Connor Coffin and Carissa Moore? I'll, yeah, I'll throw that out there. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, Potts was saying that's arguably the best surfing he's that's ever semi-final. seen by a female yeah. surfer, where she got like four nines. It was insane. She, and here's another thing, right? Quarterfinal, because I think quarterfinal. She lost yeah, you're in the right. Semis. The quarter. How great were the waves for those girls on that last day? Oh the my best. god, the best full on barrel. I mean, yeah. there was top, bar- but here's the thing: I saw girls tube dodging. I was like. I know it's not a tube ride wave, but when it's straight offshore and just a, not a drop of water out of place and you can stall and pull into the tube, I disagree. why not mix it up? No, I disagree. Cause- Wait a minute. Back up. Is, <laughs> is tube riding the ultimate in surfing? Yes or no? It's a yes or no question. If you can get tubed, why wouldn't you be in it? You don't want to get a head dip, though. No, no. I'm not talking a uh, head dip. I'm talking like well, a, high pocket, a, a high pocket. A high pocket. I, I think the wave... That, I, I, granted, it's a top tube. It's not a top-to-bottom tube, but it's... The answer a, to the question is, yes, tube ride is the best thing in surfing, but the wave that I'm thinking of that Courtney Conlaw got in the final where I thought the exact same thing, like, oh, she could have pulled in. Yes, you remember that wave. Yeah. Yes. You just said, if you can stall and pull in... No, no, no. If you have to stall to pull she in... Didn't then you stall. She didn't need to stall. Then you shouldn't stall. have done it. Look, all, you need to get something all that's tube riding involves that stalling. On, at some point, you, no. most tube riding involves stalling. No. You're either stalling because you're waiting for it at the takeoff. Are you kidding? Yeah, you, Back door, the ultimate barrel in the world. You have to pump like a mofo to oh, get look, through I'm, the thing. Granted, there's some exam- There's there are going to be exceptions to the rule, but my point is, is that you're waiting for it either at the top of the wave, waiting for the wave to hit the reef right. The tubes you and I get, yes. <laughs> Speak for yourself, pal. But, 20th Street, Huntington, there's but, no... <laughs> no, exactly. So I'm just saying, on that wave, I thought about that. And Courtney, I was like, okay, what's going to provide more score? Her okay, stall to the get problem a right that, there. And you then coming out and then having to do a cutback until... No, she had a steep section. She made a decision. I think she made the right decision to do a turn off of it. I would, I would agree one, with what you're saying, but you nailed it when you said what's going to get the greatest score rather than what's the best way to surf this wave. Yeah. Two different things. Well, Mason's waves that How he good got, was that? that was better. That was a better example where he got proper barrel. Yeah, and there yeah. was proper barrels during those girls' heats. A couple of waves were really yeah. good. And Granted, they're not backdoor pipe, but you could have held out at the top of the wave, pulled in, gotten a good barrel, then done two moves on the outside. I don't know. Well, I'll Just answer saying. your question differently. If yeah. I was surfing out there, I would have been hunting for that tube. Like I would have been stalling trying to get the head dip. You know, because yeah. that feels radder to me. Okay, well, there you so, go. Plus, but, you can't do a turn, so. That's true as well. <laughs> oh, so you didn't take the bait. You went uh, self-deprecating on me. So, uh, by the way, one of the other highlights of this event for me was Barton Lynch doing some of the commentary. Yeah. 
I thought Barton. He's a smart guy. He is so smart. Super cerebral. He's so passionate. He is so insightful. He, he really is, is so able to articulate little nuance and feelings that uh, I have while I'm sure. watching that I didn't even articulate in my own brain. For sure. But as soon as he says them, I'm like, you're absolutely right. That yeah. was that little paddle separation that happened right now when yeah. they, like I didn't even think right. about it, but I, you're he's, right. He's so far and away the guy they need to bring in. It's ridiculous. And his passion level is second to none. It's it's. He I don't think they can it. afford him. He loves surfing. He's so good. Well, I just thought... But would you get sick of hearing him? No, over and over? never. Okay. Like I'll let him sing me lullabies oh while I go to sleep. That's lullabies from Barton. Barton. Read me a story. We might Barton. have to have a, sec- a segment for the show called "Lullabies from Barton." I agree. And we'll have him like mail us in little MP3s of him singing to you. Tuck me in. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! I can see him just t- like bringing warm milk. Exactly. Some little cookies. Tuck me in, Barton. Tuck time. Is he going to brush your teeth for you? <laughs> Tuck time with BL. <laughs> Hashtag oh, tuck time with BL. That's scary. We love you. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, that is so Bells, really creepy right there. Bells, uh, by the way, we did have our fantasy team, um, which, dude, I noticed Joe Turpel is, I think, ranked eighth in our clubhouse. Joe. I can't verify if that's the real Joe I'm Turpel. sure it is. But, man, that he's killing it he's in eighth? our clubhouse. Eighth. What does he know that we don't know? He works with them. Well, yeah, I think that's insider trading is what's I that, do too. He's not called. betting, is he? He's not allowed to he's bet. He's not. He's not betting, which neither are you, which is Oh, I'm you've not. You saved your you've done well by not betting in oh. this in this year. I'm going to start I did this on purpose. I'm about <laughs> good, to good the good pressure's going to come. Well done. I've already picked my team. By the way, they start tomorrow or today? No. Yeah, it starts April 3rd. No, no April 8th. 3 days. Starts yeah. the eighth yeah. of April. Two days, twenty-two hours, and forty-one minutes. Okay, now. so almost three days. So, um, by the way, let, I'll just give you a rundown of the fantasy clubhouse. Um, for anybody who wants to play in our fantasy league, it's fantasysurfer.com. And just go to the clubhouse, search Surf Splendor. It's free to join. You set your team. And then if you want to wager, you can also do that. We had about 19, I think we had specifically 19 people wager in the men's division. Seven or eight in the women's division. The top winner in the Bells event was Robbie Jones, 89, with 10,050 points. There was four surfers who scored over 1,000 points. Did I say 10,000? I meant 1,050 points. There was four surfers who scored over 1,000 points. So some big scoring uh, going on in this event. And uh, the winner takes all in the wager thing. So everybody wagers 10 bucks. winner takes all, and you do that via PayPal. When you send your payment, by the way, include your fantasy handle. Even if you've played every single event through the last couple of years that we've been doing this, I still need you to include your fantasy handle because I can't remember 20 people's names and I have to go back and search for it in previous emails. It's a bit of a hassle. So um, all the instructions for how to do that are on surfsplendorpodcast.com. There's a fantasy tab. Click on that and it explains how to wager and send it via PayPal. Speaking of fantasy surfer ripoffs. Yep. John John Florence versus Kaya. Did you catch? You can go on Heat Analyzer right now and listen to Martin Potter. And Martin Potter says something that just blew me away. I'm sure you saw it. I I, I think I might have sent it to you. you I did a post on my yeah. side about it. Martin Potter basically says, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says the judges know that John John's in the water now. They expect more out of John John, so they have they're going to score him lower. And I think he's right. I'm not here to bash Martin Potter. No, this is a bash is on right. what we all know. And this is, you've mentioned this about Felipe for it's, years. It's not even a bash on the judges. It's a bash on 
our viewing of surfing. We all do this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and he did, and it slipped out. Like yeah. the, it, it was like something that I think he might have gotten admonished for later. Yeah, because it, it truly is a problem—the subjectivity of the judging. Because do Explain you think the problem? Well, why don't you? Because you, you, you seem to have when better. John John gets in the water, we know what he's capable of, and we hold him to that standard. Thank you. So if he doesn't style out and do the raddest carbs we've ever seen and stomp a giant alley-oop it's not good then we're not going to score him in the excellent range whereas Kayo, who knows who this guy is so if he lands a couple critical off the tops and then does an air that's a 10 point ride because who is this guy he just blew my mind yeah so we're holding John John to a different standard than Kayo. And Kai, and same thing goes with Felipe. Like yeah, you, it does. So Felipe better do the most mind-boggling air reverse, full rotation, not even air reverse, the full full row. Otherwise, we're not going to give him the score that he did. You know, so whereas... And Mick Fanning will do a little credit card air or bigger than that, or Joel Parko, an older guy, will do a little bit of an air, just something, and they're like, wow, he actually point, did one. Eight-point ride. Yeah. Bang. Eight-point ride. John John does that air, five-point ride. Yeah, so, and wasn't it Miola or Albie Lair was saying that, yes, that Albie. there needs to be a discussion amongst the judges about airs, but this is a bigger topic, which is holding them to the standard of their free surfing, what we all know is their best surfing. And I don't know, man. So you, So basically what ultimately happens, as defined by the WSL, is the two best rides get scored against each other from a surfer in a given heat. And you're, you made the argument off – the show but in your blog post that if you just go back and watch Kayo's two rides versus John John's two rides John John surfed better yes and Kayo ended up winning the heat and everyone felt that way right and there was that Brazo um, claim at the end that really made people pissed off right and I don't know man and I had Kayo on my team I said John John but uh it was that a really unjust, that wasn't just me judging. that was irked. I would suggest to you the whole fan base was irked about yeah. that, unless you were Brazilian. Yeah, uh, Kyle got bigger waves or whatever, but John John surfed radically more critically, more to the judging criteria, but just got underscored. Kyle and Connor are pretty incredible. The rookie class is pretty incredible. Um, I mentioned Ryan Callanan at the Snapper event. I yeah. thought he surfed great. And then Davy Cathels did okay in this event early in a couple rounds. Oh, he did fantastic. Yeah. He made it to the final day. Right. I, he lost against Mick Fanning, which no big deal. Everybody, yeah. I mean, Mick's the man at Bells. Yeah. But yeah, um, I thought Connor, Connor, I think is, geez, I don't know what he's ranked. I'd have to look it he's up. Probably but third. He came into no, this he's event. second. He came into this event second. I think Jordy walks out as second. Oh, okay. But I mean, Connor sets the standard for, um, power surfing with style essentially i mean yeah. joel had that standard for a million years or the last 10 years let's say but connor really kind of is taking that away from him and beat him and mick in the round four heat definitively like he yeah. smashed those guys yeah. so i'm a huge fan of connor and i want to see what's to come i've never really seen him surf big backside barrels before so hmm, remains be to be seen that'll yeah. be interesting that's actually a very good call what's he going to do in that situation it's something that we've brought up in the past with guys like um um well even just even goofy foots and big left barrels that we weren't sure about yeah you know? yeah um what else you got you said you had other topics other than bells um i've just got my kook and duke actually as i look here okay Oh, no, I do. Yeah, well, so my kook, you ready for my kook? Sure. My kook is um, former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott, who paddled out at Noosa 
um, was sitting there waiting for a wave, was on the outside on the shoulder. There was this other surfer there, a girl, Ivy Thomas, 17, um, who a wave came. The prime minister proceeded to cut her off, and there's a brilliant picture of this girl standing there getting cut off by the prime minister, and the look on her face is one for the ages, where she's just dumbfounded. She's just so disgusted yeah. with this old guy in a longboard just cooking out in front Burning of her, her. The prime minister, Tony up, And she knew who he was. She said she was like, yeah, he's just sitting there. I knew who he was. Anyway, uh, Tony Abbott's my kook. That's hilarious, dude. Um, by the way, I got... Uh, must-see moment as well. Do you have must-see moment? There's a bunch of things that we should be watching and directing people to on the internet this week. Um, I'm going to run off a, a few things. Kai Barger's edit, it's called No Wanda, is spectacular um, and kind of an undervalued surfer. He had to deal with a lot of energy, but this edit is just unbelievable. He's surfing big waves, doing flips. It's crazy. Soli Bailey's Instagram with him riding a wave with a dolphin. Did you see this? Soli Bailey did gets, see this, yeah. gets barreled on a left in Australia, comes out, and when he's coming out of the barrel, this dolphin breaches in the wave right one foot from his rail. So that's really Have you ever had that experience? No. Have you? I have. Really? Yeah, just this year, this winter at Cardiff. Really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't come out of a backside barrel, but I was riding mm-hmm. the wave and the there dolphin breached dolphins on bre- numerous times crazy on the same wave. I mean, I've seen, I see yeah. dolphins every other time I go surfing, but not on the wave. Yeah. Um, do you know the most, the time I was perhaps the most scared in the water that uh, this was like 25 years ago. And I was surfing by myself at this little Misto reef in North County. And it was a gray glassy winter day, but a little bit of onshore crumble, nobody around, nobody. And I, you know how you get that kind of spook, like, yeah. oh, this feels sharky. Yep. And I had that vibe going. Once it's in your head, can't get that Yeah. Out. And yeah. so, I, and then I start seeing fins, right? There's all these dolphins and I'm like, oh, you know, and it still kind of spooked me out. And I'm paddling for a set. I'm paddling over some waves to go to a set and the set ends and I'm too far out. And I turn around and I start paddling back in and right in front of me, coming straight at me, four dolphins jump out of the water in straight unison, in synchronicity, straight at me, dive right in front of me, go under me, and I just fully freaked out, just beelined it straight into the beach, just like, oh, my God, these these things are either telling me something or they're trying to attack me. Yeah. Insane. And I just went in. So dolphins have sonar, right? And so I've thought like, well, if I'm duck diving, I'll see dolphins in a wave coming towards me and I have to duck dive the thing. And I'm going, well, they know I'm here, right? Like they have sonar. They can sense that I'm here. So they're going to avoid me, right? Yes. They the should. Yes. And those guys avoided you, but it got pretty close. But then I have a second thought, which is human beings have a lot of positive qualities, but there's some that are dumber than others. And there may be Thank a dolphin. <laughs> there may be a dolphin with a low dolphin IQ whose sonar is slightly off. And all he has to do is be off by one foot. And that thing's going 30 miles an hour straight into my head. <laughs> <laughs> You've really thought this through. A half-wit dolphin. Who's gonna, he's just, all of his buddy dolphins know that he's the dummy. And they're just like, well, dude, you better watch out for, you know, Chuck over here. <laughs> Chuck? He accidentally, You've disparaged everyone named Chuck. He's, by saying he's, that. He's, anyway. I'm uh, quite confident that my IQ is lower than many dolphins. They're, they're a smart creature, dude. Yeah. Well, other things in the internet. Um, 
that people should watch. Noah Dean's recently dropped edit. It's called yeah. Pulp. Noah yeah. Dean is shredding. Yeah. And I love the kid's style. Noah Dean's a guy who could go to Chopu and be in that event. There's so many guys no. when you think about it. I've not seen him. Like, he's great at doing airs. I haven't seen him really charge. But there's just so many there's guys so many. that could be in that Chopu event. Kai Barger. Kai Barger. There's just a million guys. Like, how many pipe charger guys could be in that thing? A bunch. Yeah. yeah, a bunch. Who's the one... But there's Kalani a lot of Chapman. WSL guys. Yeah, there's exactly. There's a great example. Um, Billy Kemper. Yeah. All, uh, Eli Olson. Shit, Dorian. Uh, John John's well, brothers, dude. Dorian, Dorian for sure. But I guess they're WSL big wave event guys, so they sure. might be under that umbrella. Okay, another must-see moment. Yeah. Um, Michael Brennan at Shipstern's Bluff. This was on a couple people's Instagrams. The guy makes the most miraculous recovery ever. Like he's going over the handlebars, but he pulls dude, it? No, he's driving back doors the barrel like from a ski. And then the thing has those gurgles in it and yeah. steps, hits a step like midway up the face. Wheelies? Airdrop. Air like drop. wheelie airdrop ollie. Like a 15 foot the stop. Yeah. And you just think, okay, he's going to land and then just go over the falls. Dead stop. Somehow stomps it. And actually his board starts to cavitate and endo. And you're like, he's definitely going down. But he somehow yeah. pulls back and pulls it and then comes out of the barrel. Yeah. Most kinda, at the end, it kind of crumbles on him. Most miraculous yeah. recovery ever. So Stop those it. are all important things. I'll post them all on surfsplendorpodcast.com. But, but here's my actual must-see moment. <laughs> Jay Davies posted an ad, or Who? Stab Magazine posted an edit of Jay Davies shredding apart onshore conditions. But the reason why this is my must-see moment is because we're going into the Margaret yeah, River he's event. In. He's not? I don't think so. Oh. I've picked my team. I didn't see him on the list. But sometimes they get added in the last like 48 hours. Yeah. I haven't seen the wild card You'd list. You'd think he would be on No, it. he's going to. I would bet money they're going to put him in. I would because agree. Last he's a draw. Year, last year, he made the quarterfinals as the wild card. Yeah. And so I'm a huge Jay Davies fan, of course. Last year, he was my dark horse, and he, he paid dividends. But just going into this event, watch this edit and tell me you're not going to put Jay Davies on your team. Based on his track record, based on his shredding, yeah. I'm going to – one commenter on this video on Stab Magazine said, quote, Jay Davies moves more water than Moses. Somebody give that guy a staff and some Israelites, end quote. Wow. That's... Which he does. You know, last time we were together, we spoke about – Kolohe and Wilco, they need to do something in the next two events, meaning Bells and Margarets, to sort of back up that great run they had at Snapper. Look who, where was Kolohe in this event? And if we, if we look at our commentary as like, this has to happen, there seems to be some pressure on Kolohe that you and I are putting on him right now, that he has to do good at Margaret, or at least in Brazil, or the Snapper event was like, that can't be all you've got. Yeah. And so to just sort of backtrack to the last show we did, yeah. Again, kudos to Wilco for now he is in the driver's seat and Kolohe, I'm not sure where he's at mentally now. Does he does he feel the pressure or Yeah, is- he does. I mean, and generally I don't think his style of surfing fits Margaret's really. So Who's does? But the thing is you mentioned it with the box and North Point and Margaret's, you've got three completely different types of waves. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to pick. I was picking my team going well, yeah, but okay, they'll run one round at the box. They're not going to run the entire thing at the box. Right. And then they're going to move it to Margaret's where it'll be mushy lefts and some big closeout rights. And then, oh, there might be a day at North Point, maybe. It's hard It's hard to pick it a really team is. for this event. Yeah, you want, you want somebody who's versatile. Josh Kerr. Josh Kerr is super versatile. He's won at Margaret's in the QS level. I I've been following Josh on his Snapchat and on Instagram. He's, I get the feeling that he's mailing it in. He's, yeah. he's like off to Cabo with his family. He's yeah. comfortable. Yeah. 
Well, by the way, Chloe Andino lost in round two against Sebastian Zietz at Bell, so not the performance that you want. As this well. is a hard year to pick fantasy surfing. Oh, my gosh. This is it's just so like, topsy-turvy. Don't, don't say crazy. it's just me. There's it's other people. You. It's that, mainly no, you. No, that's not true. It's mainly you. No, there's other so uh, I'm going to say... Um, I want a dolphin to pick my team. Okay, but I got a dumb dolphin named Chuck is going to pick my... <laughs> okay, he'll do better than you for sure. Um, Scott Bass is my Duke of the Week. What? In... I mean, Scott, we got to honor Scott because Sean Thompson, world champion surfer, called out Scott on Twitter. He went to social media to congratulate Scott for rescuing four human beings from a riptide. Tell me the story. (laughs) This is not a joke. This is not an April Fool's joke. This is reality. Scott is not only blushing right now, but I do see a tear from his eye. No, you What's know the story. Look, what was what was Sean Thompson talking about? There was a, a pretty mean rip at Cardiff. There always is. There has been for a hundred years. It's a, it's a standard rip at low tide. And there were some girls on spring break, some little eight to ten to twelve year old girls on spring break that were caught in the rip. I simply went out there, talked them down off the cliff, you know, pushed them into some waves to get them out of the problem. And they were past the point of being able to touch with their feet. Oh yeah. No, they okay. were way. They were out getting there. sucked out. Yeah, this is a mean rip, like a really strong. And strong. what were the waves? Were the waves? Waves big? are big. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was you know four to five feet. Were they starting to panic? No, there was one that was maybe on the edge. The other two were really cute. They're like, we know. It was pretty funny. I paddled. They should up have to- been panicking though. Yeah, I paddled. Well, I paddled up to them. I'm like, hey, you girls, you're in a rip, you know. And they're like, we know. And I'm like, okay, well, follow me. What we're gonna do is we're gonna paddle, you know, okay. sideways at an angle. I'm gonna get you into some water where it's safe, and then you can paddle in. They're like, yeah, we know. Or we could just take the rip all the way out until it's done with us, and then we like they they were like laughing they're like we we know they're so well informed they were really cute you know i'm like okay follow me so we start paddling towards safe water where we, we can then paddle in and they're out there with their surf coach or their surf instructor or some some teenage girl that's there as their guide so they were on boards yeah they're all on boards they're all okay. surfers okay and and I, we're paddling to safety and their surf guide girl goes Jessica, come over here. And I'm going, oh, my God. Why is she calling them back into the rip? And so they're like, okay, Jessica. And they turn around for me, and they paddle back into the rip. And I'm like, oh, great. So I follow them back into the rip, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to have words with this surf instructor chick who obviously doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. I'm just going to be by their side and be there if they need me. And I'm so I'm like, okay, here we go. I guess we're going to paddle straight in through the worst part of the rip. Let's do this. And, you know, yeah. ready, begin. And I start kind of yelling at him. I'm like, Okay, paddle hard, dig, let's go. We're going to, you know, like I'm kind of giving them grief. Like, if you're going to do this, let's do it, you know? And they're digging and we're paddling, we're getting nowhere. And you know how rips are? Sometimes they have these little cappy little waves that break and then dissipate. Yeah. Well, luckily, one of those came and I took the two of them. Spring off. Yeah, I was with and I like pushed them into this whitewash and they were good enough little surfer girls that they could belly board. And they belly boarded this thing all the way in, you know, 200 yards to the sand where they could touch. So then I turn around and go get the other one who's a little maybe portly and is, doesn't know how to surf as good and has fallen off her board and is pushing water. And the surf instructor, and I'm like, okay, here we go. We're going to do this again. And and I basically did the same. Eventually got her pushed into a wave. And then I went out to talk to the surf instructor. And then I was like, you know what, China? I just left her in the rip <laughs> knowing that she was going to be able to handle it. Yeah. And I went in and I talked to the parents. And that's when Sean's, Sean's like, Scott Bells, I saw you. You know, you saved I was like, yeah, hi. Well, I mean, you're you're kind of downplaying it, but I guess if if Sean Thompson recognized it as a dangerous situation, then it no, had they, to be. No, they had to be rescued. Like, they were going to okay. get rescued by me or by a lifeguard. Okay, like, they were not 
you know, were the parents cool? Yeah, they they, they were they it. were stoked, and yeah, yeah, they were like, okay, you know, we started out over here. And I'm like, yeah, but right over there, you're gonna get sucked into this rip, and yeah. it's, and I I didn't want to, um, you know, sort of poo poo the surf instructor girl. It's not really her fault. It was just kind of like, yeah, sort of her fault. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. All right. Well yeah. done, Scott. Duke of the week. Duke Hanamoku's house is currently for sale. Yeah. I, um, I got an email today that says his original house, which is over there um, in sort of the Portlock area the, by the golf course there on the east side of Diamond Head, his original house, he and his wife Nadine bought this house in 1940 after their marriage. And um, they were lent the money to buy the house by Doris Duke, who was a neighbor. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Duke's house, the original house, is up for sale. They've redone most of it. The house, it's a gorgeous mansion. All those that area between um, Portlock and Diamond Head is like mansions, and it's a really nice part of town. And yeah. um, anyway, it's all it's all kind of like the Rancho Santa Fe of town. Yeah. Anyway, that that mansion's up for sale. Duke's house. So I mentioned that as I guess Duke's house is. My Duke Konamoku. Is there a price attached to it? There wasn't a price in the email, but I'm yeah. sure it's up between, you know, four and ten million dollars. It's a lot of range. It's a big difference. I don't know. <laughs> the real estate, I just know it's a mansion right on the water yeah. like, with a beautiful view. It's, yeah. and it's and all been redone, so I'm sure it's between four and ten million. And history. Yeah, history. Right on, Scott. Boardroomshow.com. Definitely. It's coming up. By the way, you can catch all the down-the-line episodes on boardroomshow.com as well as surfsplendidpodcast.com. That's where you find it. And um, let's see what else is going on. There's a lot going on with the Boardroom Show. I guess you just go to the website and find out what's going on there. Totally. We'll talk more about that later on. Yes, definitely. But it is coming up May 14th and 15th, so sneaking up on us, dude, one month away, essentially. Yeah. A lot of work to do in the meantime. A lot. Yep. Uh, This is David Lee Scales. And Scott Bass signing off. Until next time, adios and aloha. I'm ripping for the longest cycle. Mm. My uncles had to pay the cost. Mm. My sister used to sing the Whitney. Mm. My mama caught the gambling bug. Mm. We came up in a lonely castle. Mm. My papa was behind them bars. Mm. We never had to want for nothing. Mm. Said all we ever need is love. Mm. We see the same There's that Anderson Pack track that we referenced at the opening of the show. I'll have a link and um, actually that whole album all just embedded on surfsplendorpodcast.com with everything else that we discussed in this show. The Big Wave Award nominees, all of the Webland, you know, must-see moment stuff that I kind of referenced towards the end of the show as well. You can check it all out. Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Leave a comment. Uh, send links of this show to your friends. That helps our show to grow. And the show has grown, actually. I haven't really discussed that in a while. But, um, man, oh, man. Yeah, numbers are uh, ever increasing. So that's really all that we ask for is that you help the snowball gain momentum because we don't have any advertisers or anything. And to be honest, I haven't really even presented the show to anybody. But, um you know, if we build a large enough audience, I think that that is the next logical step. And then we can bring you shows much more frequently and attract, of course, bigger guests and maybe travel and be amazing to follow the WSL to some events and, and um, kind of do a audio documentary a la tour notes. But, you know, 
much more detailed and nuanced. So a lot of potential for the show. And if we can grow the listenership, we can improve the quality of the show in terms of content, production value, all that stuff. So keep the word spreading. All right. Enjoy your week. Uh, enjoy Margaret River as well, which is starting ASAP. So WorldSurfLeague.com is where you can watch all of that action. And we'll be back next time. Until then, this is David Scales reminding you, get out in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and shred on. Working my fingers to the bone. See, I do the best I can. Mm. Mama was a farmer. Mm. Papa was a goner.